Hello, welcome to Aero Bandwidth, your source for everything you need to know about the technologies, trends, and concepts that are steering our industry today. We hope that you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please subscribe. Good afternoon. My name is David Potter. I am the host of Aero Bandwidth, the North American Edition. Today, we are talking about the IoT and all the myriad things that can mean. Is IoT at the edge? Is it the cloud? Is it the data center? Is it all of the above? And I've got a couple of my colleagues from Arrow with me today. I've got Kirk and Nick, and they're on our IoT development team. I'll let them talk a little bit more about what they actually do for us, and they're much more of a wealth of knowledge than I am. Gents, how are you today? Say hello and tell us what you do here at Arrow. Kirk, you're up first. Hey, David. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for um, including me on this. It's great to talk about IoT and what it is, what it isn't, and, and all those things. So thank you. You bet. And Nick, how about you? Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me as well. Nick Sanchez with the Arrow ECS IoT team, enjoying the opportunity to come and talk and maybe didn't demystify a little bit and shed a little bit of light on what IoT means to our partners here at Arrow. That's awesome. And I, I like the word demystify, right? Because I think there's a lot of that in the channel still and among our reseller community. I mean, the three of us, we've been out with a lot of our reseller partners, some of our big suppliers. And I think IoT is still kind of that, you know, ooh, it either is all this stuff of, you know, talking refrigerators and programmable toasters and things like that. But I think the reality is, is that IoT is really a thing and it's, really widespread in a lot of areas, but probably more in some vertical niches. So, I mean, what are some of the things that you guys have seen? I mean, I'm let you, you know, kind of unveil this, but we're doing IoT and what are we doing around those? I mean, Nick, what are some of the projects that, that you and I have kind of worked on? Tell some of the, you know, the stories about things we've done with real IoT and how it's beyond just, hey, that could be cool. Yeah, no, I think maybe let's start with that idea of, you know, the talking appliance, right? And so I think uh, the common belief is, is that, you know, we, we have a smart device, um, and that smart device is the IoT. Um, I think the reality is, is what we're really talking about is a, a con connected and converged infrastructure stack. And so we're talking about smart appliances, yes, and that's, that's or traditionally something that sits close to the, the edge of whether that be an operation in an industrial or, or commercial setting um, or to the customer experience, say in a hospital or a retail setting. Um, but we're also talking about all of the plumbing and the, and the ductworks, if you will, um, that move that data from that point of capture mm -hmm. up through you know, our traditional route and switch, our network behaviors, a lot of, of, of software or middleware involved in helping to translate and teach devices that maybe speak Spanish to a device that only speaks English. And then up into really where the outcomes are, and this is where we're at Arrow, we see the most value, which is in the is in the data layer and the analytics layer. That's where the customer or the the experience really happens, and where that data becomes actionable. You know, David, you and I have worked on a few projects looking at everything from a connected water cooler mm -hmm. um, and helping a water cooler manufacturer look at, at you know cycles of of gallons of water trans, uh, being processed through a, a water cooler and looking at maintenance. Uh, and being able to assess the life cycle of things like filters and, and components inside of those particular devices. Um, and then we've also looked at things in terms of like connected fleets and, and helping companies that run large fleet vehicle operations to look at everything from vehicle maintenance 
or to driver behavior and intelligent routing and mapping as well. So it really, as you said, it can be anything. The, the key to IoT from an arrow and an arrow partner standpoint is helping to distill that thing down to a particular outcome and connect those two, those two concepts together with technology. Gotcha. And so, Kirk, I think you've been involved in some of that plumbing, right? You've got a, some legacy work with our Microsoft Azure and the cloud teams so that you bring a wealth of that experience into the IoT space. You know, so when you've got a, a reseller, for example, that says, hey, this IoT thing is cool, or you've got an IoT manufacturer, we've had some of those folks that say, hey, I have this device, and it measures temperature, pressure, um, you know, it can sense for a certain chemical compound, etc. cetera. Um, how do I integrate that into IT? What are some of the places where our customers should look to? What are end users asking? Uh, you know, how do they get started? I mean, what are maybe some good first steps to take beyond this? Hey, like like Nick says, how do I transit all this silliness? Yeah, no, I I think the kind of the way I kind of look at the the IoT is I look through it as a as a little different lens, and it's like you know everybody's everybody's collecting data. A lot of companies were told to collect data about you know certain parameters or certain things. But it's, it's what do you do with that data? How do you make intelligent decisions about that data? Uh, and how do you, you know, make things work better or more efficient? A perfect example is one of the projects I'm working on right now is with a, um, a very large trucking company. They have um, hundreds of refrigerated coolers that sit in a, a lot that have, you know, a perishable items in them. And there's a, uh, there's a person that's responsible and all they do is take a clipboard and they go to each one of those trucks and make sure the refrigeration units run it, right? And that's and that's a time-consuming, really you know menial task, right? Yep. Um, we're working with uh, a couple of our, our partners and, and with Microsoft to say, hey, um, how do we put uh, a sensor in those in those units that can that that can communicate wirelessly, and then report back? And if there is an issue, um, here's the location. Here's where the trailers at. You need to do something because there's you know, ice cream in there. And if you don't get there in the next two hours, the ice cream is going to melt and you're going to lose a trailer full of, of ice cream. So it's kind of stuff like that, that um, it's it's those kind of things, you know, data and then, you know, maybe automating tasks that, you know, really don't need, that are just really mundane or, 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 or you know, really just trivial. Yep. Yeah. You know, you know, Kirk, that's it. You bring a great point up that we maybe should call out is that, this isn't necessarily new in many cases, you know, in the instance you just talked about, they're collecting this data. They've been doing it and they've had a process for doing that. So it's not like we're introducing something that's completely new. Really the process that you're engaged with is trying to enhance what they're doing, bring it more to a real time and constant monitoring situation, build in things like alerting um, so that it's, um, it, it's a process improvement and it's really enhancing the particular behavior they've already been doing yeah yeah exactly well you both hit on something i think that is a, a really fundamental piece that we've talked about and i promise not to get too far on my soapbox because that's always a challenge with me is that iot is really not about the sensors they're a part of it i think mean, you both hit on something it's about the data and the collection of it and what do you do with it right and so 
obviously my background, if you haven't talked to me in about 2.7 seconds, it's heavily in security. So I always worry about where that data goes, how is it collected, how is it stored, is it secure in transit, how can I mess with it, you know, thinking like an attacker. But the reality is, is that all of this stuff for IoT comes together, and I think you hit it exactly in, a, in an outcome, right? So that kind of brings us back into this. When you guys are talking to these customers or helping design some of these things, we talked about, you know, so edge, cloud, data center, where do those pieces, parts fit in? I think at Arrow, we're seeing internally even our nomenclature go from IoT to more of the edge computing. Um, you know, cloud's got to play, data center's got to play. Each of those pieces, guys, how do you see those playing into the quote-unquote IoT, you know, the Internet of Things, and where are the different use cases? Where do I use Edge? Do I Is cloud part of this? Why would I have a data center if I'm using IoT? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I guess I'll, I'll kind of chat about is um, another project that I'm working on is, is in the agricultural space, right? It's, it's remote areas in the Midwest that maybe don't have access to all the, you know, the data center are getting data and pushed out there. And, and maybe it's something real simple is just, you know, monitoring moisture in a field or something like that. You know, you can, you can put a lot of that stuff at the edge and you don't need a lot of compute. You don't need a lot of pieces or bandwidth to make that happen. And it makes it a lot more efficient. Gotcha. Yeah. Let me start by saying, let me add a soapbox under your soapbox. Cause <laughs> I will, <laughs> one thing I will say is, we don't talk about security as often as we should uh, when it comes to, to IoT. It really is a critical part of the mission. And so, you know, I don't want to go down that path too far, but I will say this is that, you know, you are, when we add these devices and, and we, you know, add connected devices in particular, anything with IP addresses or radios, things along those lines, we do expand the threat surface. So it's really important to talk about a security posture with our customers and making sure that we're addressing that need because it is, it's critical, right? Nobody wants to be the next um, retailer that has a breach that came through the, you know, the HVAC system or the business who's hacked through their fish tank um, that's being monitored, you know, by some sort of an intelligent device. So that's really important. Going back more towards your, your question around, you know, edge and, and connected edge and things along those lines, I think it's, you know, there's a couple of fundamental approaches, and I think a lot of it has to do, probably aligns vertically in terms of the needs, but it also has to do, again, going back to that outcome, right? I think when we talk about edge compute in particular, we're talking about being able to make intelligent decisions around the data that we're collecting as close to the source of that data as possible. So to give a, you know, some, maybe some tangible examples. In a manufacturing space, you know, where we're talking about automation, for example, it's really critical that those decisions come with zero delay or minimal latency as possible. Right. So bringing the compute to the edge and putting it at or very close to that device and allowing that decision to be made in real time or very close to is critically important to safety, to protect, protecting production and, and reducing downtime or preventing downtime is probably the more apt uh, description of that. And then there are other places where it's really about just being able to determine whether data is interesting enough to transmit it over something like Kirk was talking about in the agricultural space, where you might be looking at a communication protocol like NBIoT or LTE, the cellular connectivity. 
satellite tags, things along those lines. And you don't want to send all of that data across that you're monitoring. Say you're monitoring soil temperature or soil um, uh, water content in the soil. Well, do you really want to send you know that data every 10 minutes? Or do you only want to send the data when all of a sudden it's interesting enough to be sent? So as an example, the humidity in the soil drops when you certain that in the trucking example that Kirk gave a little bit ago. Do you want to send an alert or send that information over LTE as that trailer's moving? Or do you want to send it when it leaves a temperature tolerance? So say all of a sudden the refrigeration is dropped and the temperature in the trailer's risen five degrees. You know, those are those are decisions that can be made with a sort of a lower level of compute so you, you know rather than bringing say edge uh compute power to the edge you're talking about bringing just you know an open linux container to the edge so you can make some smart decisions with the data so you bring up an interesting question that i wanted to to raise do these businesses already have those decision points made um because you earlier one of you said that we've we've told these businesses over all these years collect the data collect the data collect the data so now they've got petabytes and approaching exabytes and a lot of bytes, I know that's not a word, but yottabytes of, of information and we have to parse it somehow. What's useful, what's garbage? So you know, the conversation you just mentioned, Nick, do these businesses, do the end users actually know that? Or is it a matter of trial and error? Or is that where we could come in and our customers and partners could come in and say, hey, you need a plan for this? Or, or what's been in your experience in that scenario? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I think, you know, if I have to answer it, my answer would be, I think they know it, but maybe this is going to sound odd. They don't necessarily know that they know it, or, this, you know, it's two people that know a part of that answer, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. I think, you, know, you have the, the scenario where, like, the, you're correct. The, again, particularly in these industrial and, and manufacturing environments, collecting data is nothing new. Okay, then I think, you know, for, forgive my timelines and don't quote me on them, but I think the PLC controller is approaching 30 years old. Yeah. Um, or it's right in that neighborhood. And so when we start thinking about, you know, systems that, that operate in, in collecting data inside of a silo, they're, they're not new. And they've collected every bit of data and they've put them into these large data warehouses or data storage um, type programs. So certainly people know that they're collecting data and they have a sense of, of why they're collecting that data. The difference I think now is we're helping our customer, and this is where our partner can be instrumental, is helping to take data that they've collected historically and looking at how to collect that data anew now, but more importantly, being able to take historical data with new data and understand how to kind of instrument that around it in an application or in a data visualization layer to make that meaningful and maybe most importantly to bring it into real time. So it's no longer looking at trends and identifying things um, through historical analysis, but using historical data overlaid or underlaid maybe by real time data and identifying those trends, not only in real time, but then becoming predictive or prescriptive about identifying them. So I think yeah, that's where our partners can really help to shape that conversation. Gotcha. And I, I think that's valuable, right? Because I mean, you're right. A lot of these companies have been collecting that data. That data is gold. I mean, they've yep. got some trends. They've got some analysis. They just they don't know what to do with it. But you know, if they have that, and a lot of them do, they're, they they could be way ahead of their competition on some of this stuff. And that could be a real game changer for for a lot of people. They just they just they need some help, and you know, we can help them. 
how, use that data for good and, and, and make it work because it's they've got they're ahead if they've been collecting that stuff. And so that, you know, is a, a perfect dovetail into our counterpart, Mr. David Fern out of the UK, who is heads up our analytics practice, right? And that's what he would tell you. And it would warm yeah. the cockles of his heart to hear us say that the data is gold and that's what it's all about, right? And and Nick, to your earlier point, your check is in the mail for, you know, the gratuitous security call out because that is exactly <laughs> the story I've been telling. So, but, you know, something interesting around the edge, I'm going to kind of hit on that because there's some cool things on the edge that... I don't know that people realize how much is being done at the edge. I mean, there's, we've got cameras now that can do image recognition on the camera. We've got things that are doing package recognition on the camera. We've got some vendors that are directly tying into that to like read UPCs at a distance or to identify people before it makes an inference. Is that, I mean, am I saying that right? I mean, I've heard of, or is this all sci-fi? No, I mean, we were we were at uh, a conference last week, Nick and I were at a conference last week, and, you know, one of the vendors has got um, cameras and cars that can read license plates as you're going down the tollway, right? It's from a, from a uh, police, you know, like law enforcement thing. Let's just they can say be that going down be, the road and, yeah. and pulling that stuff in and be like, hey, that's a flag. That car's stolen. That would be bad for me. I... <laughs> not that I steal no, cars. Stolen cars, for, damn it. That's no, your well, no, not from a stolen car standpoint, you know, <laughs> dear federal government, if you're listening, I don't steal vehicles, but I allegedly may have a heavy foot, so that could be a problem for me. That could be a problem yeah. for me. <laughs> well, the, the good news no, is, I, you know, if they flag your plate and you're and you're not speeding, maybe you would get a, a smiley face next to your record and be like, "Hey, he's doing right this time." <laughs> yeah. Um, but so no, I would I would echo what Kurt says there. Right, it's the the advancement and the the wonderment of you know how much can we fit in the the ever shrinking bit of silicon, uh, and you know David to, to reinforce some of what you're saying there. You know, Kurt's talking about a camera that at the device level is able to do intelligent behavior, right? It's able to not only read the, the license plate traveling in opposite directions or, or at least at high speed in the same direction, um, it's able to, to recognize process against a table of data that it has um, in the background, um, but then you're moving upstream to that to some sort of an aggregation or, or a field area router yeah. um, that's got connectivity protocol and in many cases has storage built into it, like I mentioned before, so you, you think about um, you know, some of these LTE routers that are hardened, designed to be, you know, in dusty environments in the trunk of a police vehicle, as an example, or on the exterior of a, a fire or utility vehicle. Um, and they have that additional compute space built into them. Or up on the other side of to, to the true kind of edge compute play, who have a micro server built right. into them. And so, you know, depending on the behavior that you want to do, you know, high speed um, behaviors like Kurtz is uh, describing where you need to be able to make that decision very quickly. How critical is that? You have two approaches to solve that problem, um, but it's really a testament to just how quickly the space is moving. Gotcha. Well, and, it's, I, and I like to think about it too, is, is I mean, you think about how, you know, the, the, the change in like mobile phones and smartphones and all that stuff and how, you know, the platform's gotten, you know, smaller, it's shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, it's gotten more and more powerful. I mean, I, I don't think it's unfathomable to say like in, you know, eight to 10 years, um, you could have these little microservers, you know, the size of your, your smartphone and they could just, they could do everything at the edge. Right. I mean, it's, it's like a, it could become a, you know, a server you buy for 500 bucks and you use it for a year, or throw it away and, you know, upgrade it. It's, 
I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this changes the the world of computing in eight to ten years. So does that in that model then, Kurt? So you've got all these edge devices that are doing, <clears throat> excuse me, analytics right at the edge, making some inferences, doing the high speed plate recognition, and then sending it to a micro server, maybe on board a fleet vehicle or you know in a bridge or something like you know we're all in Denver quite often. You know as you're driving up I twenty five. I could see it having a response there for the silver alerts, the amber alerts, et cetera. So yeah. in, in those functions then, obviously now we're talking about, well, here comes the big magical mystical cloud, right? <laughs> so in, in IoT, and there's, this is a, a two-part question, you know, how, where does the cloud play into this for number one? And then from an overarching perspective, you know, what are the privacy implications of the IoT, right? And we talk a lot about security, um, and I've always said, and this won't be the first time I've said it on this podcast, but there's two sides of my brain. No schizophrenic jokes. But there's really the, the part of my brain that, from the technologist standpoint, thinks this is just the neatest stuff ever. That we can do all this cool stuff at scale, and it's just it's sci-fi come to life. But then there's the other part of my brain who's read 1984, who's read a lot of this, these dystopian things that says... What are we doing with all this data, and are we taking the proper precautions to protect our individual privacy and data sovereignty? So those, a bit of a heavier question, but I'd like your guys' inputs on the cloud and then the, the overarching ramifications of it. And don't everybody talk yeah, at once. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start. <laughs> yeah. That's a I'll heavy question. I will say this, it is a heavy question, <laughs> um, but I'm going to let Kirk talk a little bit more to the cloud being uh, piece, being that he's come out of our cloud practice, but yeah. so I'll be quick around that topic. So for me, I think, you know, in, in my experience, the cloud really plays a, a couple of, of overarching roles in an IoT solution. One, it can be a great intermediary in terms of a place to bring data to in which you can access it from multiple parts of the enterprise. So when you think about collecting data, and particularly as you talk about integrating into those data lakes or those data warehouses that we've talked about a little bit today, you definitely want some segmentation um, in those systems. And I think this goes to, to data, your security uh, sort of background a little bit, and then also just in terms of just kind of, you know, a, a good practice of not having a flat network. Um, and being able to kind of bring data to a place that you can then extract it or move it around from there to do different behaviors um, around your kind of business transformation practice. I think the other place it is, is obviously it's a, it's a great place to aggregate data from multiple sources without having to link directly into your, whether that be a data center or hyper-converged environments. Um, gotcha. So the, la so the second part of that question, um, which is definitely the heavier part of it, um, I think, you know, one thing I will say is, are we doing enough? I think you could ask that question at any given moment in time, and the, the answer is probably not. We're trying, but I think it's a very complex uh, problem to solve. Mm -hmm. To that, though, I think on the technology side, we are seeing some built-in uh, protections being developed, particularly in the software side of things, where we're looking at, yes, there are cameras, that, for example, doing facial recognition um, and scanning databases. You know, David, you alluded to like things like Amber Alerts, um, you know, some of the other registrants uh, or registries and things like that that may be existing at the federal, state, and local levels. Yeah. Um, but as they're doing that, they're they are pixelating the image. So the camera is actually never capturing, you're capturing a clean, discernible image of the individual. It's scanning particular parts or points on the face, for example, and, and using those 
bits and bytes in order to to check against that registry. So so there is some protection built in as in that example at the technology level. Now then there comes the other part of it about okay, so now we're collecting the data. And this is where I guess I'm gonna expect check number two because this is where you get into how do you secure that data? <laughs> and then maybe most importantly, how do you utilize that right. data that you've collected? And we've got to be very particular about that, that the later part of that in that, how do we use that data? If, if and when an organization collects data, it's got to be very specific in the nature of why you're collecting it. So I'm going to think in terms of healthcare and retail, I think those are probably the most relatable yeah. to this, is that as you collect this information about your customer or patient, um, one, how you secure it and behind you know, the, the firewalling to, to apply a term that probably makes David cringe a little bit, <laughs> how you firewall that from the exterior, but even more importantly, how you get it from where, the point of collection into that infrastructure. Because we're seeing, you know, for example, I walked into Apple yesterday, I had to get a new phone. And, you know, there's people walking around with handheld devices, scanning credit cards, scanning uh, uh, EFIN numbers off of devices and, and replacing things, selling new things, collecting information about, you know, asking people for their Apple ID. And I'm thinking to myself, man, all this is just like floating in the air yeah. around us here. And how do you protect that? How do you encrypt it? So I think, again, I go back to the conversation is not an easy one. It's a posture. It's everything from the culture of the people and, and the devices collecting and how you manage, you know, what they bring to and into the environment and connect to your network. It's how you construct your network. It's the products and services built into that network to help to, to secure that. And it's also your plan for dealing with what might just be inevitable, which is a breach. So to kind of dovetail off that, knowing what we know in the business that we're in, we, you know, we deal with component manufacturers, with you know, solutions integrators, with third parties, et cetera, all over the globe. But primarily, you know, the three of us are in the North American market. Do you see at some point if the industry can't get their things together, which is unlikely, do you see some sort of a governing body stepping in and making some changes, like some sort of a regulatory board, like an underwriter's laboratory, or you know, there's the the, the NIST group that we've got some yeah. cybersecurity rules around? Uh, do you guys see that as coming, or do you think that's a viable thing? I mean. Do you like that idea? Is that a, an absolute hard stop for you? Or, or give me some, some feedback on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, when I was, I did a lot of work with CompTIA uh, the last year, and we, we, talked a, we talked a lot about that and pieces about, you know, them working to create maybe some kind of like good housekeeping seal of approval and, and some of those things. And it was really hard for CompTIA to even get their arms around it. There's just so many tentacles and so many different things that, um, you know, I could see, you know, maybe the government stepping in and doing some of that stuff, but I, I don't know that that's the right answer either, right? Um, but it's, it's, I think there's got to be some kind of protocols around it. It's interesting for me. I mean, I just, I just had my, I did my credit card stolen, right? And um, my, Sorry just the that, number, the, yeah, well, it was crazy. The number, <laughs> the number was hacked and it's, it's like the third time it's happened to me in the last year. And it's, it's interesting because they're starting to collect, I mean, they're collecting data about me, my buying habits, my patterns and all this stuff. Yep. And it does, I mean, you think about it and you're like, that's kind of creepy, right? That's, that's kind of weird. They know this, but then, you know, two weeks ago, Chase calls me and says, Hey, you're not in Gary, Indiana right now, are you? And I'm like, 
nope, I am not. And they're like, okay, well, we just shut off your credit card. You made $450 worth of purchases on walmart.com out of a IP in, you know, Gary, Indiana. And I'm just, and I'm, I'm blown away because a lot of the stuff that they use, that you're, you're, they're collecting and they're, they're using for good, but, you know, put it in the wrong hands. They could, you know, it can be used for bad. So it's, it's, it's a big trade off and it's, it's really scary. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for that. Yeah. So I guess I would, I would answer that with two thoughts. One, I think the market economy nature of, of the American business sort of has dictated two things. One, it's dictated that devices have be, been developed um, and certainly um, engineered in a carte blanche sort of way, right? Everybody, yep. there was a time where everything was proprietary. Um, and it was it was very much a you know hey we've got our way of solving this problem and it's and it's ours and we were going to protect that IP very carefully um, and it really created some stickiness with customers because you know you could stitch together things from the same product manufacturer or supplier um, and that's the way the market kind of drove but it also meant that there was all these you know one-off ways to solve certain problems. And then you know that is I think a little bit reflective of our nature, right? We don't like, to be told uh, or regulated. So I think there's a, there's a little reluctance to this idea of governance. The, the next thing that I would say is that there's this maybe strange trend beginning, beginning to emerge in that the desire for unifying data and the desire for these outcomes that like analytics and cognitive analytics, artificial intelligence have kind of cultivated in our marketplace might just be breaking some of that down. And, yeah. and, and I'll point to the emergence of some of these standards-based institutions. David, you mentioned NIST. Yep. Um, I'll you know, reference IEEE as right. another example of that, is that in the manufacturing space, what you're seeing is there are these governing, well, maybe governing is the wrong word, but there are these institutional bodies that are emerging that are saying, okay, we know everybody's doing this. We're not saying don't develop something that's unique, but what we're saying is, make the output, the, the packet of data fit a couple of different standards and, and make the device meet a set of defined industry standards so that there is interoperability. Yeah. And so it's not really shrinking the marketplace, but more saying, let's, you know, ultimately we're all doing this for the same reason, and that is to, to unlock the power of data. And as we well, this, do that, if there's some standardization about it, I think there, there's, there's some power to that. Gotcha. Does that maybe mature like um, like the cloud matured over the last 10, 15 years, where there was multiple, multiple different companies doing multiple different types of clouds and all that stuff, and and it's just kind of grown to the maturity where it's just you know you've got your top four or five you know cloud providers and that's kind of become the standard and the norm. Does it maybe mature that way? It could. I mean that that's a good thought, right? Some of that will probably be natural attrition just through mergers and acquisitions, and then. Just from a pure technology standpoint, if one protocol is better, and then the other market driver, which is interesting and somewhat reassuring to me, is that security has become an important buying point, right? People are seeing the value of it, and so if we can get them to say, hey, it's worth it to me to pay a little more to have my data secure, I think that'll be a driver as well. So, I mean, I mean and Nick, I, I kind of jumped in there, but I'd like your thoughts too on that. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know that I can add a whole lot more to that. I think you've hit it right. Is there's there's a, a really heightened awareness now uh, around 
you know, the what if, what, you know, if we're going to collect this, what if it, what if somebody gets at it and for the wrong reasons? And so as, as, as a part of that security is heightened, but, uh, you know, I guess I, I go back to, I keep on saying it in different ways here today. It's, you know, it's a real challenge as well, because we are talking about, you know, an expanded footprint in terms of the, the technology solution. Yeah. Um, and, but within that, the real complexity is, is there just the, the, it's not a traditional network stack anymore. And you have these just the the edge devices, the sensors, there's so many of them, and there's so many ways to collect that data that, you know, that unfortunately means there's a lot of ways to get into the flow of data as well. So yeah. it's it's a really tough it's a really tough problem to solve and you know, we're really happy to have folks like you who understand <laughs> it very well and can help those of us who don't understand it quite as well to to position you know, our customers in a place to be better served by their security practice rather than, than underserved. That's what we're all here for. So I have two final questions for, for both of you, and then we'll wrap up because this has been fascinating. We go on for hours, but we like to keep these short. So question number one is the, is the easy one. If you could build a cool IoT device that's not being built, what would it be? Now, if you don't want to reveal it because you're going to build it and patent it, that's totally cool. <laughs> Um, and then on the, on the serious, the, so I want you to answer that. And then, yeah, so both, both you answer that and I'll ask you the final question. So cool IT project that you would build, Kirk. I, I've got, I've got one and I'll share it because I'm hoping maybe somebody else will figure this out. But, um, I want an IOT device that, um, and speaking of security, but, um, uh, I want an IOT device that can hack into red lights and like, as I'm approaching an intersection, it makes all the lights green so I can get the places quicker. <laughs> Yeah, that's not illegal at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that movie. What if I need some fire chief that might want to talk to you? Yeah. But so, if, I can, if I can like program it to where it's like an IoT device that sits in your car and it, it monitors the traffic and it, I'm not trying to be illegal, but it monitors traffic around you. It, it looks at the cameras, you know, uh, the lights three or four ahead of you and does sequencing to where you know you just drive and you don't have to stop. It saves so, gas. It saves on brake wear and tear. I mean, yeah. That's all that stuff. I'm not trying to be illegal, but I'm just trying to figure out how do you change all the lights to like increase the flow of traffic. I, I've seen that movie. It's called The Italian Job, where he he flips all those lights. <laughs> so so in all seriousness, um, out there, take a look at the work that Audi and Cadillac are doing. It's kind of the reverse of that, though. What they're doing is they're actually picking up when the lights are red, yellow, and green, and they'll actually help you adjust either your speed or your flow pattern to do exactly what you're asking. Um, you don't get to change the lights. The lights get to tell your car what the optimal route is. But they are kind of doing that. So Audi and Cadillac are working with the city of Las Vegas to do that, actually. Yeah, so that's that's my deal. I just want to get uh, through red lights quicker. So cool. Nick, what do you want? <laughs> okay, for me, it's very simple. I want to set uh, some sort of device. I don't know what it looks like. That's going to lower my golf handicap by about four or five strokes. So you just want me to you just want me to hack the the golf the database. Gotcha. Yeah, I just don't want anybody. Okay, that's another way to go about it. I hadn't really thought about that. There's some security. So I need a device on the end of the club to play better somewhere along the way here. I want some kind of device that'll adjust your club the way. That's interesting. There you go. That would actually. So now we're thinking about this. You could do like a a positioning sensor, your club face, club angle, club speed, and velocity, and then you could do feedback to say, okay, idiot, step back or do this. That that could actually be kind of cool. There you that go. Would, that mm -hmm. would really get in your head, wouldn't it? Start totally. thinking about all those parameters when yeah. you're in the club. Yeah. I'm going to build a smart coffee cup. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm going to do a smart coffee cup. I've been talking about this. I should actually just do it one of these days.
All right, final final real question from each of you. Um, Kirk, you go. You get to answer it first. What are three things that your partners need to know to help generate more IoT business, or what can they do to get a hold of you? Three things that you want them to take away from today's conversation. Sure. Um, the the first thing is um, all of our partners are in they're in great accounts, right? All of all of these their end users they're they're, they're talking to or servicing. They've got opportunities. They may come to one of our partners and say, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to insert a sensor into a grain bin. And that's and that partner is going to be like, well, I don't know about sensors. I don't know about grain bins. My 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 advice is, is don't say no. Just you know what? Say yes. You can figure it out and then come to me, come to Nick, come to you know people on our team. And let us help you figure that out because we can do all these different pieces. We have partners in our ecosystem. We have engineers on the sensor side. We have people like David who can secure your your green bin and all that stuff. So, so the first thing is, is you know, if you're if you get thrown opportunities, don't say no. At least talk them through and figure out what's tangible yep. around that. Uh, and the second thing is, anybody can reach out to the ECS IoT email alias. It's ecsiot at arrow.com. They can drop in um, just an email and we'll get the right person in touch with them. So I know there's supposed to be three, but that's that's two. Just bring us opportunities and we'll help you figure it out. Beautiful. And we'll put that email address in the show notes for the listeners when you go to your, yeah. you know, when you go to iTunes, that email address will be in the show notes. So Mr. Sanchez, what are your three takeaways? Yeah. If you have three or you're going to be, a, you know, you can be an underperformer like Kirk. Oh, excellent. Let me, let me see if I can meet expectations. I think that was all of my target back in my school day. <laughs> um, no, first, I think um, I think for partners, I would tell them embrace the, uh, the concept or the idea that starting from a place of inquiry is really good. Um, I think a lot of us are, are professionals, and we're IT professionals, and, and many people, many of our colleagues and counterparts have been in this space for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and coming in as the expert, it, it has been and remains to be important, but when we talk about customer engagements, starting from a point of, of curiosity and trying to understand what your customer is trying to achieve or what problem they're dealing with is really a position of power. Because the better you understand that, the better you are in position to then become their trusted advisor and become their subject matter expert um, to help them to navigate through those. Um, second, I would say is that, you know, don't underestimate or maybe even understand that being a part of a consortium is very powerful. The Internet of Things has changed a couple of fundamental things about the, particularly the delivery of solutions. And I think the two that I would highlight are one is the proliferation of technology and the type, the diversity of the technology in a solution has, has just meant that it takes more subject matter experts, more areas of expertise to deliver that solution. And so chances are you're going to partner to do that. And so that's a really powerful thing. And the other thing would be is, is Kirk alluded to this a little bit, right? Of like when he talked about you know, having servers become almost disposable. This, this advancement and rapid development of technology means that managing that life cycle of that solution is another layer to deal with this. And so disposition services and responsible to, uh, retirement of devices, you know, becomes an, another important extension of what we do. And so there's, there's power to an ecosystem or to a consortium of partnerships to deliver. 
And then the last one is, is that, you know, maybe this is my, my cheesy one for the day is, is possibility is opportunity, right? So whatever the, the customer thinks may be possible is an opportunity to demonstrate that it truly is attainable um, with the right plan. Um, and I, you know, I stick away from the roadmap analogy, and I prefer to say, you know, we help to develop a flight plan for our customer or help our partner to develop that flight plan. We all know where we want to get to. Um, and there may be some stops along the way, but but the the idea behind a flight plan is it helps us get safely, um, and in the right amount of time or the, the a respectable amount of time from point A to point B, and so you know look to to the Aero IoT organization, which which spans the entirety of the Aero businesses, um, to help you you know look at what that journey can look like, and we're we're here, um, and not just ready, but really excited to to join in those conversations and engagements. That's awesome. And so what we'll do is we'll have both your names and email addresses and phone numbers in the show notes as long as well as the alias on that. Um, and like you guys said, we're all here to help out. This is an interesting and exciting area for all of us. And for our listeners out there, IoT is a huge part of our business at Arrow. We are fully behind it. So like the guy said, get a hold of us at any time. With that, I'm going to wrap it up for the day. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being part of the show. It was a good conversation. These are always fun to do, and it's nice to you know, know who you guys are. We can joke around a little bit. You know, obviously, we're not serious about you know, our, our banter, but you know, we are all serious about making it work. So I, I do appreciate sincerely you guys being on the show today. And I want to say thank you. And, and to our listeners, thanks for listening to Aero Bandwidth North America. And until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening. To contact us on Twitter, use hashtag AeroBandwidth, and we'll see you next week.